Hi, I'm Daisy. And this is Katessi. And you're listening to Afrotini's at Sunset. So, let's begin. <laughs> okay, so Daisy, what are we doing here today? Tell me your thought process, where you started, why you want to start with this as our first episode. Just mm-hmm. walk me through it. Okay, so welcome everyone, all the listeners. Uh, thank you for joining us. So, Katasi and I got together and we wanted to do this show so we could um, talk about different aspects of African culture, history, and lifestyle, and really explore the storytelling process and and everything that goes into it. And to start, we wanted to do an episode talking about creation stories and how they influence us and our worldview and how we view each other. Okay, that sounds good. I really liked when you brought up this topic, like as our first episode, because it just kind of, it's sort of fitting because this is like our inaugural episode. And (laughs) that's like something that like we really, really study, like, prior to like and just like from primary school we all study like maybe one shared creation story mm-hmm. and I mean not one shared creation story which is unfair <laughs> as a like just for our listeners I'm Muganda I'm a Muganda from the Buganda kingdom which is the most known tribe out of Uganda just because the country was basically all these other tribes were amalgamated into ours to form Uganda as a country so Daisy isn't a Muganda Daisy you're a Machika. Yeah, Daisy's from the Muchiga tribe, and they have their own creation story, right? Mm -hmm. But in primary school, all primary schools in Uganda, they would have learned our creation story. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to know that even within such a small country like Uganda, there are going to be hundreds of creation stories. And that's where we wanted to start, not just Uganda, but most African countries and like diasporic Africans have the same story, Mm -hmm. multiple creation stories, and they're all... They all say so much about like the cosmology and the people these creation stories like represent. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad you this is our first topic and we have some very interesting creation stories for you and I really hope you like them. I love this. This is like it reminds me of home. Mm-hmm. And so Katasi, like why don't you start off tell us like the chain to a Nambi storyline and how everything goes down. Okay, okay. So is it unfair to say this is my favorite creation story because I'm biased? <laughs> you might be a little bit. A small just, bit. just a little bit. I just have to say that Chinto and Nambi are the OG Baganda, right? <laughs> and, and so like if if I were to meet like a person not from Uganda and I wanted to like make myself sound super important in a way that like matters a lot to me to big up my self-esteem. I'd be like, yeah, most people in my tribe can trace a line all the way back to like the beginning of the world with Chinto and Nambi because that's what our creation story is. The first man, the first woman, and the introduction of death. Yay. Right? <laughs> so <laughs> Fun times. Fun times. So um Daisy is the more creative of us. So she's why, getting, <laughs> why are you putting the pressure on me? <laughs> the pressure is on Daisy because Daisy and I, this is like a little footnote on Daisy and I's like life story and what, why we're both here today yammering at you. We met at school. We met at Mountain Race College in Magunga in Lugazi right across this massive tea producing. I hate the 
one plantation, <laughs> but it was a massive, right? <laughs> and so, like, every afternoon, we'd, like, sit together and, like, the verandas instead of studying which everyone else was doing because Namagunga is a very hard school and everyone's so clever you need to study constantly to just keep up Daisy and I would sit on the verandas and like just discuss things like <laughs> be like Daisy tell me a, um, a story you read and like Daisy read more books than me <laughs> so funnily enough I'm going to be reading one of our creation stories like mm-hmm instead of doing free form and daisy will like free form give you a creation story that she's done research on (laughs) now my major interest is like reading as we said in like episode 0.1 the introduction episode Mm -hmm. we want to present african stories written by africans like not being like not through a prism of like someone else like narrating our stories and maybe like putting their own biases on them so when I was looking into the stories of Chinto and Nandi outside of like the story that I learned in primary school I found this super interesting man called YB Lubambula funnily enough I haven't been able to figure out what the YB stands for (laughs) he just (laughs) there's not that much on him on the internet despite the fact that as soon as you look him up it's like, why Lubambula is the best known of the first generation of poets writing in Luganda. And he's super interesting. He, like, writes very, like, beautiful, like, prosaic, like, lyrical poems on, like, Ugandan stories we all know, having gone through, like, the Ugandan education system. Or maybe I know as a Muganda and that you know vaguely of as, like, being a Ugandan, but not a Muganda. So um, he wrote this. It's like the story of Chintu. Chintu is the first Muganda, the first Muganda man, according to our creation story. And I want to read you this beautiful poem he writes about, like, the start of Baganda. And I really hope you like it. It means a lot to me. And I think it's a very fascinating um, creation story. And call me out if it bores you. And let's discuss why I really love it. <laughs> or if it's just as simple as me being Moganda. Okay, yeah, and just also just like a heads up. We intend, in our first episode, Daisy, do you mind like explaining what our structure is going to be? Just today, for this episode, what you're going to be getting is two creation stories. But we felt that it's unfair to just dedicate an episode to creation stories and then perhaps just sample one from like east, south, west, north and maybe the diaspora. So we intend to make the creation stories a prologue to our other episodes because they're very short but very like enlightening to like the people we're talking about. So if an episode is going to be about a specific people, there's going to be a creation story about them and we can just start off with that before delving into perhaps more current things. How how does that sound, Daisy? That sounds good. I okay. think we should do that. Okay. Yeah, because it would be unfair to try and condense everything as wide and diverse as it is into just an hour episode. So yeah, let's try and spread it out. Okay, great. So here we go, guys. This is a Ganda poem by Waibi Lubambula. Chintu. Chintu was a great ancestor of very long ago a man who we ought to know. He was the forefather of present-day Buganda, who became the first king 
who had no fixed home, a man who was a trapper of animals, a man who learned to trap very skillfully. He used to rise early to trap his animals, and he caught very many large animals, and he caught very many small animals too. He lived mostly out in the open. One day, he came up to his trap and found that he had caught a spider. When it saw him coming, it besought him, saying, Sir, be good to me and let me go, and I will one day be of service to you. So they made blood brotherhood, and he went off, saying, Peace be to you, my blood brother. Chintu got up early one morning and found a white ant in his trap. The ant, in its very great distress, said, Child of my father, spare me. Deliver me from this fate and let me go, and I will one day be of service to you. So they made blood brotherhood, and he went off, saying, Peace be to you, my blood brother. Early next day he came again and found a very fat ant bear caught by the throat in his trap. With bloodshot eyes it pleaded, the one simply only, Sir, my lord the man, deliver me and take me out of this yoke, and I will one day be of service to you. So they made blood brotherhood and he went off saying, Peace be to you, my blood brother. Again the next day he caught a snake in his snare and a buzzing beetle in his trap. He did not fail to spare them both and made them his blood brothers and went away. But one day, on examining his traps, to his astonishment, he found he had caught a remarkable woman with extraordinarily large ears. It was his. W- <laughs> it was his very well-known wife, Nambi, and she lost no time in telling him, "I am Nambi, and I am your wife." So he took her out of the trap, and she went with him. Not long after, Nambi said, "My dear, cut one reed, one blade of grass, and one pool." And Chintu soon brought those things, the grass bled, the pole, and the reed. Our ancestor brought them quickly. And by the time the next day dawned, a house had formed itself from them. Then Nambi got up early in the morning and began to clear the bush. She made a good clear space where she hoped to grow sweet potatoes. She very soon had the potato slips in, and the potatoes very soon sprouted. In fact, they made a remarkably rapid growth and were mature by the next day. Not many days after, something was seen to be eating the potatoes. Chintu fetched his trap and hid it carefully among the potatoes. And behold, it was a cow which he caught by the leg, so he took it home and domesticated it. Not long after this, when Chintu was away, Mrs. Big Ears, (laughs) or Nambi, (laughs) went quietly away, taking with her their female beast, and she returned once she came. When Chintu got back, he called around for Nambi, his wife. He looked everywhere for his cow, but he could see neither of them. And that day he was in great distress. Now, when the, sp- when the spider knew what had happened, he came along spinning his thread and said to his blood brother, Come, let us climb up into heaven, for there it will be found with your wife Nambi. And soon they <laughs> arrived in heaven, and Mrs. Big Ears greeted <laughs> Why is he so shady? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Daisy. Maybe, no. And Mrs. Big Ears greeted Chintu and introduced him to her father who rolled there. Her father's name was Gulu, heaven. So they brought him colossal guest presents, coffee, berries, tobacco and beer, and fat meat beyond all telling. They were brought to his doorless house, which had been built for him on his arrival. He ate what, we, what he could, but there was too much and he did not know how to get rid of all of it. Mr. Ant Bear, his brave blood brother, soon dug him a hole and Chintu threw into it the surplus food and meat. And so the next day, it was very soon time for Chintu to be taken to the court for the assessment of the amount of bride wealth which he must give. When Gulu saw him, he said, Here is this brazen axe. Go down there onto the rocks and chop and bring some firewood from them. 
taking care how you do it. Chinto readily agreed. So he went down onto the rocks and carefully chopped using the cracks which White Ant had made. So he had his firewood ready and looked around for something to tie it with. But when he looked again at the chips, he saw that they were already tied in a bando. Mr. Snake, his good blood brother, had not forgotten to come and act as a tie for his brother's bando. Chinto put it on his head and went back to visit his father-in-law with his offering. But Chinto was not slow in reminding Gulu that Nambi had brought their cow with her. Then Gulu promptly asked him, Will you know it if they bring it? And Chinto assented readily. Men brought in many cows. Mr. Buzzing Beetle soon came along looking for Chintu's cow as he flew around and came back to him unsuccessfully. So Chintu spoke up saying, my lord, mine is not there. So once again, more cows were brought and Mr. Beetle came along and alighted on the parent cow and again on all her calves. And when Chintu was satisfied, he showed those to his father-in-law amid the cheers and shouts of the onlookers. So they slipped away quickly and quietly, taking a secret path. But then... Mrs. Nambi had forgotten the millet for her chickens, and so she brought about great calamity. She went back at once to fetch it, and her father merely said, Now what have you done, Nambi? Did I not warn you to go quickly, and so escape the murderer, Mr. Death, Walumbe, who will assuredly bring you sorrow and kill your precious children, whom you will bear for your brave child? So Nambi turned back again, taking the millet for her chickens. But Mr. Death, he too went, walking some distance behind her, until she got back to Chintu, and so they all arrived back on earth. When they were at home, Nambi had children, both boys and girls. After a long time had passed, Mr. Death asked for one child that he might take him for his own. But Nambi and Chintu did not agree to this. So Mr. Death got angry and said, Since you begrudge me one child, I'm going to kill them and have my revenge. So he fell upon the children and killed them one by one. And after a while, Nambi went home to complain about him, the slayer of men. Gulu gave her his man, Kaiikuzi, a man of exceptional strength to catch Mr. Death and bring him back. On the first occasion, Kaiikuzi was on the point of gripping him, but the children screamed. And Mr. Death, because of their noise, was warned and escaped. So they told, him never, so they told them never to scream and waited for him a second time. And the next time, Kaiikuzi lay in wait for him nearby. And before long, Mr. Death came. And when the children saw him coming, they forgot what they had been told and screamed louder than ever. Kaikuzi tried to catch him, but he ran very fast indeed and made himself a hole suddenly, into which Kaikuzi also went, and they both passed through it very rapidly. And when the children saw them again, they shouted aloud in glee. Hmm, I didn't get that. And this encouraged, <laughs> no. and this encouraged Mr. Death to make himself another hole. That is Death's hole at Tanda. Thus Kaiikuzi failed to catch Mr. Death, Chintu and Nambi gave it up in despair and comforted themselves saying, Let Mr. Death be. The children of Chintu will never be entirely destroyed. The end. It's interesting how in this version, he cut out the part that I, I always heard about how Kaiikuzi, Nambi and Walumbe were siblings. Yes. Yeah. I really like that element of the story because it's, such a reflection of family dynamics and how we're all just so dysfunctional. I mean, I'm, we've all been at home when your mother says, don't hang out with Daisy, she will kill your children. <laughs> right? Just hashtag family. Family. <laughs> no, but isn't it so like, were you a bit irritated by these children? <laughs> it's like, hey, straight up, don't shout. Death is after us. And they kept shouting. 
And I don't know if I'm being harsh because I'm also sure I would scream every time I look death in the face. <laughs> but I'm just like, you know, ugh, just like don't. <laughs> no, it is understandable, right? That they would scream. But it's also interesting how if you look at a lot of creation stories like us, we have done as we were doing research for this episode, or even if you just look at the most common Christian Judaic creation story, there's always that element of human beings being told to do something. And then we're just like, fuck it, we're going to do our own thing. <laughs> it, it almost seems like I wouldn't go back for my... for. I mean, Nambi must really like chicken. If, <laughs> if, like, if I have to balance like going back for millet for my chicken and straight up introducing mortality to my <laughs> offspring forever, I'd like let the chicken not have millet. But if you like, dev- if you didn't know what mortality was, like you had never experienced mortality, like it wouldn't seem like that big of a deal. You'd be like, eh, they'll be fine. Like when you listen to the story again, Gulu has warned Gulu her father, Gulu actually means heaven, heavenly father, mm-hmm. has told her Mm-hmm. sneak out be very quiet don't come back because you know your brother walumbe death will kill your children will kill you just you have this chance to like live a perfect life with your husband on earth and you go back for chicken millet <laughs> and i feel like that's something i'm missing she's leaving heaven to go back to earth and but earth is also pretty perfect because she's with chintu who she loves and in like a lot of like the ones I, I grew up, when my mother would tell me this story back, she'd be like, Chintu was handsome and exceptionally strong. And Nambi looked at him and she's like, you can get it. And so it's like, yeah, I would, I would. Like with her big ears, she was like, I've grabbed myself a man, you know? She wasn't, she wasn't getting anything better than This poet has like a thing about her ears. And this is like the first time I've ever heard. He's like, Mrs. Big Ears. And like, that's like, I don't know if I've ever had like humor in a creation story. <laughs> and of course, this isn't like the creation story they're telling at school. But this poet, like Lubambula, is that made me laugh. And I hope that's what he was going for. I hope we're not missing out on some context. Like big ears were a sign of fertility. And then I'm just like, we're over here 21st centurily missing out on like, on Nambi's like marvelous womb. You know what? That's actually something we should have a conversation about later on like the evolution of beauty standards because who decided big ears were a problem (laughs) exactly according to this as a beautiful muganda woman i'm missing one thing big ears like now we're all about butts can you imagine like how do you how do you disquat your ears (laughs) you can't either you've got it or you don't sorry (laughs) by the way did you notice like in the last stanza when they're talking about um when Kaikuzi and like death are fighting and like Kaikuzi and death keep like Kaikuzi and Walumbe keep going into these holes, creating holes, like escaping each other. Or Walumbe is trying to escape. And they keep, he says, they keep creating holes and then they, they're basically fighting underground and like Walumbe is hiding in holes and running and Kaikuzi follows him in the holes he creates. And he says, to make himself another hole. That is death's hole at Tanda. Tanda is a place in Uganda. Like if you Google it right now, it's T-A-N-D-A. Those holes exist. And that's pretty amazing. I've, I've been there for so many school trips. Yeah, I also remember we went there for like a school trip. And 
my question was just always who has the time to sit down and start digging holes? That's why it's true, <laughs> Daisy. <laughs> That's how you know this isn't this isn't made up. This is the one true creation story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because Every- we have some holes in Tanda. <laughs> Everyone else got it wrong. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We were right. Yeah. yeah. Create a land of mankind. Was- we're not though, mm. are we? <laughs> we are the part of Africa though. True, true. Yeah. Okay. That was like pretty great. It's like brought back memories of like the different versions we've heard all along. And even this isn't like the definitive Buganda creation story. Yeah. And then also, um, as he mentions the first stanza, like even like the first king of Buganda who united like the numerous clans into like one big tribe. His name was Katochintu. And no one really I mean people know that was his name, but he abandons like Kato and just goes by Chintu and encourages one of his wives to go by Nambi to strengthen his rule because he knows how much that means to mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. That is a very good political strategy <laughs> and a use of myth. And I think we should also at a later date do an episode on myth and how it's used politically because I think that would be a really interesting topic to cover. Yeah, and um, I plan to... Um eventually (laughs) run for office in uganda yeah (laughs) i'm I'm working on my myths (laughs) watch watch this audio space for creation myth okay thank you very much for that story katasi i found it very delightful (laughs) will you tattoo it all over your body now i will not but i might start googling how to get bigger ears since it's not the thing i i I know some people (laughs) i have a hookup anyway so like now i want us to segue into a segment that we call um what are you mad about today because sometimes You get mad because life is hard and people are irritating and you just need to rant. So, Katasi, what are you mad about today? Oh, man, Daisy, you have known me since I was 12, 13. You know I can rant. You're you're just a a ball (laughs) of anger waiting to bust. So, I'm going through midterms right now for school and I've got to tell you, I heard some awful news. I mean, awful in that it made me want to rant. So this little indie artist called Kanye West, you, I don't know if you guys have heard about him. He's, he's not that big. He's still he's, a bit He's not that big. I think he has like one or two songs that people might know. But you know what? I find Never him mind. overrated. Never. Definitely Google him, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's from Chicago. <laughs> Are we allowed to swear? Is this the kind of podcast? Like, let's clear that up right now. If If like... Our listeners, sometimes I will swear and it will disappoint you as as you can hear, I'm I'm a cherub of a Ugandan girl. Uh, it's going to disappoint you, but I was extremely <laughs> irritated. Oh, I don't I don't like this this new trend. It's so worrisome for me. And like all my group chats were like on fire. I think I heard from Ugandans before I heard from like TMZ that Kanye West was in Uganda. And I was like, eh. Does TMZ know? <laughs> they had to look it up on the map. No, I was like, no, but Ugandans knew that he was in Uganda. 
before it was even on the news and I'm like, someone's not doing journalism very well. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's what I'm mad about, Daisy. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Why is it that people do problematic shit, right? And then it's almost like redemptive to like go to like a, so- a very like poor country in Africa. I don't think it's a secret that we're poor, right? It's not, it's not a secret, right? <laughs> or should we, more, we, should we be more clear? We're like natural resources rich, mm-hmm. but money poor. <laughs> and there's, there's something there that we can talk about in another episode. The big mm-hmm. C. Corruption, mm-hmm. not cotton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know why I said cotton. <laughs> I thought you were going to say silly. another C word, but... Oh, damn. No, I'm not like that. <laughs> <laughs> Since you already no. were asking for permission to swear, gratuitously. Yeah. But, like, let's talk about that. Like, we even talked about this in our, like, group chat, right? Mm-hmm. Why did, why is this happening? Why is it, like, a trend for you to... For, for like, celebrities to do super problematic shit on the public sphere, like, on Twitter, just, like going to the white house and cooning it up right Mm -hmm. and then you're like i'm gonna go and i'm gonna give these very superficial not even like real (sighs) philanthropy right Mm -hmm. to like these i'm gonna go to like a slum in uganda and i'm gonna give them yeezys Mm -hmm. and then that's sort of redemptive that's sort of redeeming my image and we talked about how like french montana did it too and Mm -hmm. What was the term you called this? Um, I think the word I used was commodifying poverty. Mm-mm-mm. Sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, even like, I think, does this make you angry? Is does it depress you? Because it's a little bit of both, right? Yeah, and I find it, I find it angering because it's so. It, it comes off as this. Okay, I'm not in any of these people's hearts. I don't know. Maybe they genuinely want to do the right thing. And I just want to put it out there that I'm not saying that charity is a bad thing or doing the right thing or being kind to people is a bad thing. What I am saying is that when the only thing that prompts you to do it is public backlash, that's a problem. And then when you do it and all you're doing is really superficial stuff like giving away like some ugly shoes that nobody (laughs) wants to buy anyway and at the next day you go and you have a meeting with the president of the country who is a known dictator who is blatantly corrupt who is known for saying problematic stuff all the time and is one of the perpetuators of the problem because everybody always talks about poverty like it's this natural occurrence, like a disaster, like a flood, but it's a systemic problem, Mm. right? Mm -mm -mm. So if you really want to help, you should be challenging people who are in the position to change the systems, not tap dancing in White House, not tap dancing in State House, not pretending like you care when really you don't, when really you have a charity in Chicago that you're not doing what you said you were supposed to be doing for and people have to come and find you on Twitter to ask you to come and visit your own goddamn charity. Yeah. Anyway... Yes. I, it's not even surprising that he went to Uganda, met one of the world's most famous dictators, right? Mm-hmm. And he could have met with Bobby Wine. Like, that's something that... Right. But the thing is, 
the Kanye West that we know now isn't the kind of person who goes and meets with a revolutionary. He's now very much like, what is it when the word, I'm blanking on the word, where like you're part of the system now, you're upholding like the systems in place and you're not trying to like change anything because they serve you now. A sellout? (laughs) That's not the word, but that's basically what he is. And speaking of like people just going to Uganda and like basically doing that, like shout shout out to when French Montana did that. Mm -hmm. Did, do either of us know if he ever actually donated money to like, what they called the ghetto children of Uganda? Was that what the dance group was called? I did not hear if he ever donated money to them. And But they they trended for a hot minute, right? Yeah, they did. And you know what? Here's the thing. This is the part where like it kind of bothered me. Cause we were actually even having this conversation in the group chat where our friend went on his Instagram because <laughs> she has no chill. <laughs> and she actually like called him out for it. And she said that well, I'm I'm basically paraphrasing what she said, but she was talking about this whole commodification of poverty. Like when you take people and you're basically showing them in a certain light because it serves to paint you as this benevolent savior who is like helping these little children and like you're perpetuating the story of like, oh, they have so little, but they're so happy, right? <laughs> as if we should always be ready to accept less, Ooh. right? It creates a problem, right? It creates this this narrative in society, right? That the issues that we have should never be solved because people are happy even if they have less, blah, 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 right? And she pointed that out and then he deleted her comment. I, <laughs> he or whoever runs his social media, maybe it wasn't him, but somebody deleted Let's her Let's just go ahead and say that if you're putting your name on something and it's done in your name, we're going to say you did it. <laughs> like, why are we giving him an out? French Montana deleted it an Instagram comment that was calling on him for accountability. Yeah? Yes. And that's where it come, it becomes a problem. That's why it comes off as disingenuous because people don't want to take accountability. They don't want to actually have the real, create space for the real conversations about how we can effect real change, right? But... Just, Daisy, to push back on that though, like we can both say that we're pretty comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. We, you're. I don't know how to say this without like sounding like I'm just like playing devil's advocate. Which no, I understand what you're trying to say. Like we we were blessed. We had like a privileged upbringing, and once again, also us. We should also be held accountable. Like there's a burden on us to create space where we can have these sorts of conversations, which is why. Because, I actually yeah, in, in, wanted to have to talk about this on the podcast because yeah. I feel like that button, just like that button is on them, right? It's on us. We don't have as much of a platform as they do. What we say may not be as effective as it would be if they said it, but it it's on everybody in society to, because I think that's really the rent we pay for living in the world that we live in, for having the blessings and the gifts that we have. The rent that we pay is to always take the time to look at things that we see that are wrong and do what we can to try and push the needle in the other direction. 
<laughs> this um this idea of going to like a slum i don't i don't like that word but is there like a different word for that a low income an extremely low income neighborhood in in uganda say katwe right that's one that most people would know so you go to katwe you see these people who have like extreme food and housing insecurity and you give them yeezys like it reminds me of this like instagram pic this instagram post that like justin bieber did where he's like somewhere in southeast asia and he's, he takes a photo of this like s- this kid and he's like gave my little homie a pen so he can write his way out of here <laughs> and, <someone was>, like, <laughs> and it was like the most tone deaf stupid thing and it's kind of like that's what kanye is like i gave i gave my little homie some shoes so he could walk out of here and it's like you're not changing anything mm-hmm. and but the, to the people you're pandering to this this is enough mm-hmm. and like i don't know that's that's what i've been ranting and raving about this week yeah yeah and i think we should have a deeper conversation about this and not just not just about the problem but also about a solution like I said in the beginning, there's nothing wrong with charity. There's nothing wrong with trying to do the right thing and give to other people who are less fortunate than you. But there's a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it. And there's a way that is... For This is an example of what like I would... Like people have dubbed poverty porn. Yeah. It's basically like this moralistic masturbation where it's like, oh, I gave a few children X, Y, Z and now I feel so much better, right? But what have you really done? So in a later episode, we hope to have a conversation about this like best practices around it, especially since like, you know, we're coming towards the Christmas season and Christmas is a season of giving. So if you want to give, we're going to do some work and get together a list of charities that we feel are actually doing some good work and put that out there for you. In the meantime, for this episode, we are going to go back to talking about creation stories and one that I really thought was really interesting and I wanted to talk about was from the San people of Southern Africa Mm -hmm. in what would be called modern-day Kalahari Desert. Um, The general term that people usually use to refer to them is Bushmen. However, we prefer not to use that term because it's very colonialistic. So... The Sun People of Southern Africa. Nice. Spelt S-A-N? Yes. Okay. So they have a very interesting story, right? So for them, they're basically their supreme god is known as Kang. And the story doesn't begin with him just floating around and just creating every, something from nothing. It begins with him as the master of life living amongst the creation. So him, people, animals, everybody lived together in unity and peace underground. Oh, wow. I know, right? Nice. You know? <laughs> now, <laughs> he did best men apartments before it was cool. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> 
so and everybody understood everyone else and everybody was in harmony but you know one day he you know he had the creative juices flowing inside of him and he began dreaming of a new world and he decided to build it above ground so he started out with a big magnificent towering tree that rose from the ground and had its branches spread across the entire world mm. And he looked at the branch, at the tree, and he thought to himself, I am an amazing gardener. I wonder what else I could do. So he dug a hole at the base of the tree, and then he reached underground, and he pulled out the first man by hand. And then the first woman was like, nope, you're not going to leave me. So she climbed out. Hashtag feminism. Hashtag feminism. Hashtag climbing out. (laughs) Hashtag I'm with her. (laughs) So she looks around and they're both delighted by what they see. So she turns down to the into the hall and she calls everybody else. She's like, yeah, guys, come up here. It's really cool. And then the animals, the giraffe, because he has like such a long neck, he's like, okay, let me peep up. He looks around. He's like, okay, I can dig it. He comes out, all the animals come out, and everybody is really happy because um, their previous accommodation was really cramped, and now they have some space. What are you saying? Underground isn't cramped, you millennial. (laughs) (laughs) They weren't getting enough southern light. Liberal nonsense, Daisy. So they look around and everybody is happy. And then Kang says to them, you will live here in peace. You will talk to one another and you will listen to one another. And that, keep- that's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. I believe. Go on. I'm excited to know where this goes in a place of peace. <laughs> and people, you will promise me this. You will not build a fire. This world is new and fragile, and fire could destroy it. Oh, no. Oh, no. Go on. And as we know, I, I'm literally like sitting and I have like candles lit up around me so clearly that day. I'm telling you, Daisy, I'm sweating. Carry on. So, and the people replied, We promise oh no (laughs) but then the sun set oh and people were really cold they could not see and it was dark shadows were moving people started to panic they were like oh my god what just touched me i can't see what it is and they started to get really fearful. And then the animals started to look at them and they felt really bad for them because they didn't have far to keep warm. And so they would, you know, try to like snuggle with them and everything. But, you know, it, it couldn't really do much, right? And eventually humans began to look at anim- upon animals with envy because they were warm and they could see and they could live happily in this new world without any problems, so eventually it got after a while some time some time passed and people began grumbling they started getting angry they were used to being warm all the time and having light and now they didn't have it and so one <laughs> I got to say they're complaining too much 
right? <laughs> Darkness, cold, being pitied by animals, those babies. <laughs> you know, usually, usually when you hear a creation story, you think to yourself, that was really stupid. <laughs> they didn't have to do that. But honestly, this is the first one where I'm like, I get it. <laughs> Do you want to know why, Daisy? Why? They were the first millennials. <laughs> <laughs> um, so eventually the animals began to f- start being human beings because they could see the way that people were changing. They were no longer generous and calm. And they, like, they started seeing that people would view them with envy and suspicion until finally one person was like listen guys we're going to, it's really cold i'm about to freeze my balls off and we're going to <laughs> die was that guy's name like like dennis <laughs> i think i've heard this like on twitter somewhere right <laughs> <laughs> there's always a one dude called dennis that's, that's always dennis <laughs> Dennis always just he can just never accept the way oh. things are. Just always wants to start something. Man. Anyway, so Dennis decides to start a fire, and everybody crowds around the fire, and they're keeping it's keeping them warm, and they're happy. But they look at the animals, and what they saw broke their hearts because the animals were so afraid of the fire. And they began running away because of it and fleeing towards the caves and the mountaintops and flying out into the sky and just going and climbing through the trees and just running away. Mm -hmm. And so they're trying to call to them and they're saying, come back. We're not going to harm you. It's just to keep us warm. But Kang, the supreme leader, had already caught them in their disobedience. (laughs) (laughs) So he already exacted the punishment, which was that people and animals would no longer be able to understand each other. Mm. So the animals couldn't hear what they were saying. To them, it just looked like human beings were just yelling at them like crazy people. Fucking Dennis. And that made them fucking (laughs) Dennis. (laughs) And... That made them run even further away. And ever since that day, animals have felt mistrust towards people and people have felt regret for this bitterly. So they send their spirits out into the world, sometimes in the form of animals. And their hope is that one day animals and people will understand each other again and live in peace and harmony that they knew while they were in the underground world. And the end oh wow clap 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 i liked it i love that story <laughs> i like it it's like it's not a dark one and like there's no true evil person in this yeah. like you understand why everyone's doing everything they're doing apart from kang kang should have left them in like a, a more like not as like a bad situation and like he isn't even forgiving them are the sun bantu sorry are the sun people bantu no, actually, it's interesting. They are apparently believed to them and the Koi are believed to have been the first people That's on the I continent. That's what I knew about them, but I didn't know if it was problematic. Yeah, they are, they have they, suffered from like 
portrayals in like western media <laughs> yeah. it's like being like super primitive so i was like i didn't want to be like yeah this son they're, they're one of the first people right and but- it's like no stop saying that <laughs> But like that's it. Like, why does that have to be? It, it's very interesting, you know. Like that, like the time, like the term, primitive or savage, and like what what people ascribe primitivity to. It, the sun like should have handled their PR like the baganda, you know. And like, I just want to talk to them about that. <laughs> <laughs> they they were too busy communing with the animals and trying to make the world a better place. That was a beautiful creation story, Daisy. I love it. I love yeah. it. It's it's one of my favorites. I've got to say, it's maybe the most positive I've ever had as regards like a cosmology and like creation story. And it is also the first one that I have ever come across that is not sexist. Oh yeah, yeah, and th- which actually. Makes it, I, I want to actually even talk about that. Like, why are creation stories always so sexist? Like, where does it come from? Because they're written by men. Okay. Yeah, because like, in most... Okay, so right now I'm doing a course, like, at school called, like, African Civilizations because anytime you put the word African in front of a course, I am going to take it. And it's, like, a th- my... The only thing in the world I could say is a thirst trap for me. Say... <laughs> Say African and I am there. (laughs) No, no, but listen. So, like, in this course, we're, like, exploring all these portrayals of, like, who's in charge of the storytelling. Like, and in most of, so far, the ones, like, we have studied, it's like, oh, the men are in charge of, like, the cosmologies and, like, they're the wise men and they're, like, the narrators and, like, they're in charge of the oral histories. Mm-hmm. And like, for instance, we were talking about the Dogon people in West Africa, mm-hmm. and it's like, yeah, even in farming, the women grow like the super like not commercially attractive plants, mm-hmm. while the men grow the yam, which is like what fufu is made of. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I don't know. It's men have been in charge of like compiling these like oral histories, these um cosmologies of like certain people, and yeah, they're. Yeah, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I was like, the one we started with, the, like, okay, this is good. Today, the ones we have covered haven't been sexist. But I feel like Chinta and Nambi is kind of sexist, though, right? Because, like, <laughs> Nambi was in charge of her sexual desire. <laughs> okay, that's she true. She straight up left heaven. <laughs> I mean, in the one we talked about, like, she was caught in a trap, right? Yeah. But she chose to stay. That's true. She chooses but, this man. Her father's like, doesn't want her to go to Earth. Nambi but, advocates for him and helps him. I don't know. I'm but was biased. was choice or was it Stockholm Syndrome? Oh, shit, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Big Ed Nambi was suffering from Stockholm. And this was before mental health in Africa. Mental health awareness. <laughs> I mean, we had mental health in Africa. And we were aware of it. Yeah, but... Oh, man. I just said a mm-hmm. whole string of problematic shit. Moving on. Moving the hell on. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's okay. We'll cut, we'll cut it in post. We'll okay. cut it in post. We'll cut it in post. <laughs> no okay. one can hear this. I'm still woke. So that, those are the two stories that we're doing today. Um... Thank you all so much for listening and joining us.
I hope the rest of you also have your drinks poured out and you will be joining us for our next drink up, meet up. Next drink up. Daisy, what are you drinking? <laughs> um, what is this? Like rum? What's Havana Club? Rum? Is Havana Club or rum? <laughs> rum? <laughs> Excuse you. Yeah. Excuse you. I'm living my best life. <laughs> you know what though? You know what though, Daisy? I salute you. Just like straight up rum. <laughs> I'm going to mix it. I'm going to mix it. Don't worry. So you've been drinking it straight. And now that the peer <laughs> pressure is coming on and you don't want people to know just what, what a fucking G you are. What like, I'm going to put, I'm going to put some juice. <laughs> Do you want to know what I'm drinking, Daisy? What are you drinking? I'm drinking life. I'm kidding. I'm Good. drinking a gin and tonic. <laughs> it's my favorite. It's apparently an old lady drink. <laughs> it is. Okay, Daisy. Close out the tab. What, what's the final thing you want to say to Oh, me? yeah. And so we just want to thank you all for listening. And um, we really rely on your feedback. So please subscribe. Reach out to us. Email us. And um, let's get the conversation going our next episode is going to be we're going to be dropping these episodes bi-weekly every two weeks but um in between we'll see how things go we might give like a little small episode just talking about something that comes up because we like to things talk. do be coming up they, things be, do be coming up sometimes things we need to sure complain. keep happening and they don't <laughs> yeah. stop happening and never stopping so we look forward to hearing from you and hope you shall join us soon for our next episode of afrotinis at sunset yay goodbye goodbye, goodbye.